Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I want to talk to you uh, from the subject, I don't know. Say, Pastor, what are you preaching today? I don't know. But I want to talk to you about uh, your, your, your words and wisdom and how they interact. And I think it's going to help you. I really do hope that you open uh, your heart and your mind because I believe that this is going to help you right now. You know, we've been in the, uh, the book of James, which is, people have called it the New Testament book of Proverbs. It's, it's a book of wisdom. And it's written by a pastor, James, who's been the bishop of the Church of Jerusalem for 30 years. He's the little brother of Jesus. So let me tell you, anyone that's in the family of Jesus, that's someone I want to hear um, speak on how you should live. Jesus was the wisest person to ever live, and now James is going to teach us about wisdom. Where do you think he got it from? Would you mind turning your Bibles to James chapter 3? We're going to start. In, um, in verse 17. James chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 17. Now, when I preached through the, uh, two weeks ago through chapter 3, he speaks all about taming the tongue. And he talks about how powerful that little tongue that you have in your body is. He says it's one of the most powerful members of your body. And, and it can create great destruction or it can build up. He compares it to a rudder on a ship. And he's saying that uh, this tongue, your words are going to begin to steer you in a certain direction. And as a church, I pray our, we, we, we catch the wind with our words and we begin to steer into the, into the seas of wisdom. I hope you don't steer yourself into a storm. Steer yourself into a horrible situation one after another. Steer yourself into bad relationship after bad relationship. I pray you begin to speak in alignment with the Holy Spirit, in alignment with wisdom, and you begin to turn your life towards wisdom. And, and what James is saying is a lot of this has to do with how you speak. And right out of that, he begins to address the church. He sees all of the negative things going on in the church. So he lays out exactly what wisdom looks like and sounds like. And in verse 17, he says this, but wisdom... As, as, as opposed to disorder or selfish ambition and all the other things in the previous verses he's talking about. He says, instead of selfish ambition or bitter jealousy, you should have wisdom. But this is what wisdom should look like. Wisdom from above or heavenly wisdom, it's pure, he says. Verse 17, it, it's pure. In other words, it's, it's, it's unmixed. Heavenly wisdom doesn't look like man's wisdom. doesn't look like the ways of the world. Heavenly wisdom is pure. It's not mixed up with, with your stuff or your opinion or lesser thoughts or, or, or strange ideologies or strange philosophies. Heavenly wisdom is pure. It's a direct connection to God. And because it's pure, then it's these things. And he, he almost gives us the ingredients of wisdom here. It's then peaceable. Wisdom's peaceable. Wisdom's not looking for a fight. Wisdom's not looking to push your buttons. The wise person isn't looking to cause strife, stir up anger. The wise person isn't looking for the thing that bothers you and then constantly poking at the thing that kind of bothers you. That's not wisdom. That's something else. Wisdom is peaceable. Wise people are good peacemakers. In other words, they're looking for common ground with people. They're not looking at what separates them. They're looking at what brings them together. A wise person, the Bible says, a soft answer turns away wrath. In other words, when someone's angry, the wise person doesn't meet their anger with anger, doesn't meet their violence with violence, but they've got a soft answer. And, and, and you've got to understand meekness is not weakness. It's wisdom. It's wisdom. 
Wisdom is peaceable. It's gentle. It's gentle. It's not always the biggest, the baddest, the roughest person in the room. You know, it's gentle. You ever notice that sometimes the biggest people you ever meet have like the gentlest souls? You ever notice that? You look at like Andre the Giant, you know, the biggest dude ever. And he had the gentlest soul other than when he was throwing people around the ring. But outside of that, and it's almost, I wonder if it's something to do with like they know the power they have. So they get to tap into a deeper truth of who they really want to be. Gentle, caring, loving. That, that's who we really want to be. We don't want to be the one looking for fights and trying to stir things up and taking stuff outside. That's not wisdom. Now, look at this. Wisdom is open to reason. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. It's open to reason. It's full of mercy. Wisdom is full of mercy. And I don't know about you, but I need to be around a lot of wise people because I need a lot of mercy. I need a lot of mercy. You know, some of the disciples were trying to impress Jesus, and they said, Jesus, how many times should we forgive someone? You know, seven times in a day? And Jesus says, how about 70 times seven in a day? Because Jesus knows how much mercy you actually need. We need a lot of grace and a lot of mercy. And wisdom is full of mercy. It produces good fruits, a good life. It's it's impartial. In other words, it doesn't play favorites. It's not lifting one person up or pushing another person down. It's not creating rivals out of people. It's impartial and it's sincere. Wisdom isn't trying to manipulate. Wisdom's not trying to use you to get your own way. Wisdom's not trying to coordinate someone else so that this person gets something out of it. But wisdom is saying, hey, I'm for you. And they're able to say it sincerely, truthfully. This is what wisdom looks like. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. By those who make peace. Verse 11 says this. Well, first he he says uh, in chapter 4, verse verse, um, 11 Verse 10, he says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. But here in verse 11, he begins to speak to the church now. He's saying, so don't speak evil against one another. Remember, I just talked about the power of your words. Now I just talked about wisdom. Now he's bringing it saying, now listen, don't speak evil against one another. Another translation says, don't slander one another. Don't gossip against one another, my brothers and sisters. He's saying, don't speak evil about the family. The one who speaks evil against a brother or judges his brother, speaking in the biblical sense, your, 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 your family, the, the Christian family, your brothers and sisters in the church, if you speak evil against a brother or judge a brother, you speak evil against the law and you judge the law because the law says to love your neighbor. And so when you begin to speak evil about your neighbor, you not only are putting yourself above that person, you actually start putting yourself above the law. You actually start saying, I know what the law tells me to do, but I'm instead choosing to speak evil. I'm instead choosing to pass judgment. I'm instead choosing to be above the law, and I now set myself up as the judge, and I now will pass judgment on this person. I'll hear the arguments. I'll weigh the arguments. I'll I'll come up with the verdict, and I'll execute the verdict. I will be the judge over this person. And and James is saying, look, if, if if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law. In other words, you need to be under the law trying to keep the law, doing your best under God's grace, under God's fulfillment, not above it. And he goes on and he says, there's only one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. He's talking about Jesus. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Who are you? Hear James say it. Who are you to judge your neighbor? Take stock of who you are before you decide to be the judge of the world. Who are you? 
to judge your neighbor. Lord, right now, we pray that you come and you speak to us, God. We want to hear from you, and we're, we're ready to change, and we want to change, and we thank you so much, God, that you are going to bring change. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today, I, I want to set you free. I, I want to actually even help you set yourself free from the need to always have an opinion. I, I, want, I want to set you free from the need to always have to comment, to always have to judge. I want to help you help yourself today. I want to set you free from that, that thing inside of you that always has to be right. I'm hitting some people on that one, I can tell. I want to I help you set yourself free from always having to have an answer. And I really do think this is going to help you today. I really do. I think this is going to help you today, right? I just hope you're ready for it. Look, I'm not trying to be snarky with this sermon, right? A little bit, maybe a little snarky. But I really do think if you could get this, this would change your life. It would change your, your communication. It would change how you talk in your kitchen. It would change how you view people. It would change how you view yourself. I just, I, I want to set you free from always having to have an opinion on everything and everyone. And instead, I'd like to maybe point you in the direction of wisdom, which brings freedom, you know? And, and I, 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 I think that the reality is simply this, that you don't have to know. Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't know. Hey, doesn't that feel good? Didn't that feel good when you said that? So say it again. Tell your other neighbor, say, I don't know. I'm seeing some wives and some husbands are having a difficult time saying this to each other. It's freeing, right? You don't have to have the responsibility of judge of everybody on you. You, you can say, I don't know. It's the most freeing thing in the world. Socrates actually says this. He says, the only true wisdom is knowing you know nothing. That's where wisdom begins, is the reality. Ah, I don't know. And I think it frees your heart, it frees your soul, it frees your mind. You know, I think the problem that we kind of have as a church, as people, as, as a society, is that culture causes constant comparison and commentary amongst each other. Culture is kind of set up for there to be constant comparison on every level and then back and forth commentary nonstop on everyone and everything and, and, and everyone's actions, everyone's reactions and everyone's reactions to the initial actions. And what I'm trying to say is, I don't know. If you were able to say that, if it was able to kind of flow from you, I'm telling you, I think you would find, I really do think you would find a real freedom in your life. So I've been thinking about this. I've, I've been thinking about this theory that what if I, just me personally, what if you, what if we didn't have to have all of the answers? If we didn't feel that need, if we didn't feel that burden, you know, to have all the answers, how would we live? If I didn't feel like I had to know everything and I had to give an opinion on everything, even when people ask, how would I live if I didn't have to have all the answers? Let me tell you, I think I would live more freely and more lightly. Or, or what about this? What, what if... What if there's a freedom, a certain sense of freedom that comes in not knowing? You know what I mean? Like when you don't know, that's when things get exciting. You know, when you don't know, that's when you get, begin to become adventurous. That's when you begin to explore. That's when you begin to look. Can you imagine 
If we all knew absolutely everything about everyone on planet Earth, how boring would life be? It would be like, like an oatmeal existence, as bland as humanly possible. There'd be no reason to talk because you wouldn't be discovering anything. There'd be no reason to see a movie because you already saw it. Can you imagine if you knew everything? What would the purpose of life be? It would be such a bland existence. There's excitement in not knowing. There's, there's interest and interesting things and experiences in not knowing. You know, there's, there's, there's just something about when you're not familiar with a place. Have you ever gone to like a, a city that you've never been to before and everything about that city is interesting to you? You know, and everyone's like, it's just, a, it's just a post office. Yeah, but it's been there since 1884. Yeah, we need a new one. Like, it, <laughs> there's something when you don't know that, that comes out of you and, and, and it brings an excitement. And, and I want you to have that in your life. And that's what James, I think, is writing to these Christians. And, and he's, he's writing to Christians that are in the family of the faith. And, and he sees a problem. And the problem is that there's a lot of fighting between them, that there's a lot of pride going on, there's a lot of jealousy. He actually says it in these, these previous verses here. He says, uh, you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts. It's all about you and you hate everybody else. And he says, look, this is not heavenly wisdom, but this is actually worldliness. This is worldly wisdom, earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. <laughs> Whoa. He went, he went pretty dark there really quick. Has your pastor ever called you demonic? Pastor James just did. He says, you're fighting with everybody. You're so consumed with yourself. That's demonic. Why would he use such a, such a harsh term? You know why? Because it's actually satanic. What was the sin of Satan? He says, I desire the praise that God is currently getting. And so Satan said, I will lift myself above the most high and I will receive the praise that goes for him. Satan's sin was the sin of pride. And so, so James is seeing all of these people arguing with each other, slandering each other, jealous with each other, and he's saying, guys, this is what brought Satan down. And he was in heaven. He was in the most incredible community, and that brought him down. Don't let this thing in. Humility is exalted. Humility will bring you higher. Pride always comes before a fall. And, and, and so he's speaking to these Christians, and he's saying, how about instead you pursue heavenly wisdom, wisdom from above, instead, of, instead of, of, of going after the way you think it should be and how you think they should act, what if instead you look heavenward to find your life and make your decisions? And, and James also says, and by the way, if you need wisdom, just ask. God's generous, and he's not looking to find your faults. He wants to give you wisdom. Proverbs says, wisdom is more valuable than gold. Insight, more valuable than silver. If you get wisdom, it's amazing all the other things that are, that are added to you. When Solomon could ask for anything, he asked for wisdom, and he became the greatest king as a result of wisdom. And, and, so, and so James is saying, this is what you need to have. You need to have wisdom. And so he sets it up and says, this is what wisdom is. It's pure. It's open. It's unmixed. It's, 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 um, it's peaceable. It's gentle. But then here's the key. I like this one. He says, and it's open to reason. Let me, let me, just, let me just instruct you here. Stay teachable. Stay teachable. Stay moldable. Stay usable. Stay open. 
open to reason. Can I ask you, when is the last time you changed your mind? About anything. When's the last time you changed your mind? It's difficult to remember, right? I, I can't even, I don't know. When's the last time you changed your mind? When you change your mind, it means you're still open. Let me tell you, there's no virtue in being unchanging. You see, you, see, you know, see someone say, oh, you know, I've been this way for 30 years. I'm going to be this way for 30 more years. If you don't like it, then get the heck out. No virtue in that. There's no growth in that. There's no life in that. There's no excitement in that. There's no potential in that. That's small and getting smaller. That's not who I want to be. That's not who I want for you to be. I want to stay open. God, what do you got for me? God, who are you going to bring into my life? What situation's about to happen? I'm up for it. I'm ready for it. People say, I got my two friends and I don't need any more. That's not enough. That's not enough. You need to widen your circle. You need to make some more friends. You need to push some of your boundaries. You say, well, I'm, out, I'm uncomfortable out there. That's because you're growing. There's discomfort in stretching, but stretching produces growth. Come on, get out there. Stay open to reason. Wisdom stays open to re- reason. So you might think wisdom knows everything, but that's not what James is saying. He's saying wisdom acknowledges what it doesn't know. And wisdom stays open to continuing um, to find new things. That, that, that's, who, that's who I want to be. Wisdom is really not knowing and staying open to learn. I'm telling you, if, if you start using these phrases more, your whole life is going to be better. Your whole life is going to You're going to have a better marriage if you just use those two phrases. I don't know. I'm not sure. You know what Socrates says? He says, wisdom begins in wonder. Wisdom begins in wonder. You know, when, when you begin to wonder, you begin to engage that curiosity, that adventurous nature, that inquisitive nature. You know what it's like? It's like a child. You know, think of a child. They're, they're open. They're exploring. They're into life. They're learning. My son knows more about dinosaurs than most paleontologists. <laughs> you didn't think I knew that word, did you? It's, it's amazing what he's into, and he's excited to learn more, and he's excited to tell you. Maybe this is why Jesus says, hey, if you're going to come to me, come like this. Come with a childlike faith. Come open. Come expecting. Come hoping. You know, Jesus even says, look, you fathers who are evil compared to God, if your son comes and asks you for bread, you would never hand him a snake. How much greater is God than you are, and how much better will he give good gifts to those that come and ask? He's saying, come and ask. You need help? Do you not know? Come and ask, because I, I can help. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm into it. And I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. But you got to stay open. You gotta ask. You gotta stay inquisitive. You, 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 gotta, you gotta come before God and acknowledge the fact that God, I don't know, but you do know, and I need your help. You know, you've, you've heard the phrase, you never wanna be the smartest person in the room, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not the smartest person in the room. Someone just lied. Someone in this room just lied. Did you just think it was me? Ah, it was me. I just lied. Not the smartest person in the room. You know, I, I've always thought about that phrase, you know, like, how, how do you know if you're the smartest person in the room? You know, you, you never want to be the smartest person in the room. I don't know, I don't know how you would find out who the smartest person in any given room is, but I would propose it's probably not the person who's talking the most, you know, or talking the loudest. I don't know. There's something about wisdom that isn't 
constantly talking. There's just something about wisdom that, that is open to learn, that asks questions, you know? You, like, you, you never want to be, um, or, or, or let, let, me, let, me, let me put it this way, um, when your lips are moving, you're not learning. When your lips are moving, you're not learning. You know, the Pro- Proverbs says, uh, Proverbs says the fool loves to air out their opinions and loves to hear themselves talk. That's not who I want to be. I want to stay open to reason. I want to hear your perspective. I want to hear about your story. Now, look, look I'm not saying that, that this is true. I'm saying I want it to be true. You know what I'm saying? Our actual nature is like, let me tell you a little something. Let me tell you. Sit down. Sit down. I'm going to lecture you. I remember back in 89. That's our own nature. Our own nature is to, 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 to tell people how it is and tell people what they should be doing and to tell people. Our own nature is, is, to, is to put people down and lift ourselves up. What I'm saying is you need to, you need to fight that thing. That, that, that's not a godly nature. That's a human nature. You've got to fight that thing. And you've got to come over here saying, I want wisdom, so therefore I want to stay open. I want to hear your perspective. I want to hear what's going on in your life. I want to be for you. I don't want to be closed off, angry, bitter, frustrated old fart. <laughs> and that has nothing to do with age because I met some 18-year-old farts. <laughs> Listen, when you know everything, you're closing off your potential for growth. Don't close off your potential for growth too early. Ask questions. Be inquisitive. And all of a sudden, you are going to see things begin to shift in your life. You know, a great mark of maturity is when you figure out, I can learn from anybody. I can learn from anybody. And I'm going to make room to learn from everybody. Can I tell you this? God will speak to you if you will allow him. He will speak to you from all the people that you think shouldn't be telling you what to do. Like, it's like God just chooses to use donkeys, you know? It's just what he chooses to do. He speaks through the donkey. And it's almost like, you know, if you're, if you're open and if you're listening and you're praying, God, help me, lead me, guide me. God speaks through your aunt. She's standing in your kitchen. I think you should just do this. And you hear actually the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit standing next to you saying, that's me, that's me. Listen to that. And you say, no, not her. Her whole life, she's not even a Christian. And God's saying, I know, I know, but I'm speaking through her. It's crazy. It's awesome. It's awesome. Listen to this. You know what I'm saying? But if you stay open, you can hear God in, in, a, in places you would never think. You would never think. You know, it's funny. I, I went to a, a, a panel. I was on a panel, a youth pastor's panel last year. And I was on a panel with all these youth pastors. And I was at this conference speaking to a bunch of youth pastors. And I, uh, last year I, I was there and I was just telling them what they should do, what they shouldn't do, how they should do this. I was just, I was just firing bullets. I was hitting my marks. Pop, 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 pop. Everything. Don't do this. Do that. Don't do this. And then I became the lead pastor of this church. And I went back to that same conference on that same panel. And they handed me the microphone and they said, Jordan, now what should we do? And I sat on this panel like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. It's tough, huh? You know, Hmm. You, you work part-time, you're a youth pastor part-time. Let's just pray for this guy. He needs help. He needs, it's tough. The year before, I'm like, uh, I've been a youth pastor for almost a decade, eight years. Let's round up. Let me tell you how it works. The next year, I'm just saying, let's just, uh, would you guys just pray for me? You know, <laughs> I'm maturing, you know, I think, I hope. That's, I don't want to be the know-it-all. I want to be someone that's able to learn, to grow to expand. I'm telling you, if you use some of these phrases, you're going to start getting promoted in your company. That's a good point. This guy says, I like this guy. 
put him up for promotion. Harold, get him in there. You know what Proverbs says? Proverbs says there's safety in a multitude of counselors. Don't just take counsel with yourself. Go and ask some people, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? I'm not saying you have to do what everyone says, but there's safety in a multitude. Will you get aggregated wisdom from some wise people that are further down the road and you're open to hear their opinion, even if it doesn't help your already reached conclusions? I want to stay open and I want to hear from you that have gone before me because I don't know everything. And you know what's even crazier? I don't know what I don't know. So I got to ask even to discover what I don't know so that I can work on what I don't know so that I can keep growing. You know, I know this sounds so simple, right? It sounds so simple. It's like, like uh, you know, what you say to a, to a you know, four-year-old, you know, like be teachable, you know, or what you say like, uh, you know, like don't judge. You know, it sounds so simple. But like if it was so simple, how come we can't do this? If it was so simple, why do we have such a difficult time not talking about everyone else's problems? If it was so simple, why is it so hard to stay open to other people's opinions without getting your feelings hurt? Why? I think this isn't that simple. I think it's a really difficult thing. But I think if you're able to take this next step, you're taking a step towards wisdom and you're going to be able to grow. And so I know it sounds simple, but in practical, actual action, this is a tough thing to master. But if you're able to, I'm telling you, you're going to grow, you're going to become wise, you're going to be counted among the counselors and God's going to be able to use you. Can you say amen? All right, so James just talks all about, like, this is what wisdom looks like. It's open to reason. You're able to change your mind and your thoughts and your actions. But then he begins to go into, into um, uh, the negative. And he starts talking about how we speak when we're not speaking with wisdom. And he says, do not speak evil. Do not, do not speak slander against one another. Do not speak negative gossip against one another. And what's slander? Slander is simply stories that you tell to lessen people in the eyes of others. That's what slander is. It's just simply when you tell a story, right, or you tell an action, hey, even if it's true. That's the crazy thing about slander. Usually it's factually true. But the purpose is to lessen this person's character in the, in the little group there so we all can feel better about ourselves. But James is saying, but instead of that, what if you begin to speak with wisdom about others and about yourself? Because here's the reality. Your words create worlds. Your language creates culture. Let, let me put it this way. Our conversations create our community. How we speak to each other about each other is what we live in. And so I'm talking to you as a part of this church. Your conversations will create the community of this church. You have some responsibility in how this church talks, feels, and communicates. You've got some leadership. You've got some say in this thing. And what James is saying to that church is you guys are fighting with each other. You're slandering each other. You're frustrated with each other. You're creating a bitter community when instead it should be a life-giving community. It should be a, a, a hopeful community. Can I say this? My goal? My hope is I, I want to speak life into our community. I want to speak life over you. I want to speak life over different people. And even when they screw up, my choice is I get to choose what I'm going to highlight. Do I highlight their failure or I, do I highlight what God sees in them? I, I want to speak life. I want to say, you got this. Come on, get up again. Come on, hey, I'm with you. Hey, I'm, I'm for you. Hey, hey, don't worry. It's not the end. Hey, the righteous man gets up seven times. Get up again. 
You got this. You know what I notice with, with young people in the youth ministry is, you know, young people make lots of mistakes. And what I notice is what they needed to hear when they made a mistake wasn't the detail of their mistakes or the frustration of their mistakes. But I needed to say to them, hey, I'm proud of you. Because the enemy is already telling them that they are their mistake. The enemy's already saying how dumb they are and how foolish they are and what they should have done and what they shouldn't have done. So I'll speak great grace over them. I'm proud of you. I'm with you. This is not the end. Come on, let's pray together. By this time next year, you're going to be a different person. You can still change. It's not done. I'm with you. I'm with you. Because I don't know everything about their life. I don't know what brought them to this situation. I don't know what they went through as a child. I don't know what caused them to make this foolish decision. But I do know who God is. And he's a good God and he loves them and he's for them. So I don't want to align with the devil who's always technically somewhat accurate, self-righteous, pointing out their flaws. I want to come over with Jesus who knows everything and chooses grace. I'm with you. I'm for you. I got you. I want, I want to speak life. You know, one of our values as a church is people are our heart. Then I pray it comes out of our heart through our conversation that it is positive about people. And maybe you're saying, well, Jordan, what do I do when I get caught in a conversation that's negative, that's gossipy, that's, that's slanderous? Because I, I'm, not, I'm not the slanderer, but I find myself sometimes forthwith in situations unavoidable, <laughs> filled with slanderous speech of the brethren. What do I do? Well, you know, here's how you know you found yourself in a slander situation. You'll, you'll hear phrases like, can you believe? Can you believe? You know, honestly, I can believe. Absolutely. Anything you say to me, I can believe it. People are crazy. Can you believe? You know, you would never believe what happened. You hear phrases like, I would never. Really? You would never? I would never. It's like, no, nah, I, I know you. I think you would. I definitely think you would, for sure. Are you kidding me? You've done way worse, like in the last three days. I would never. You know what's crazy about I would never? I would never is like, is like it's totally unprovable, you know? You're, you're talking about yourself in a hypothetical situation and what you would do, and you, like, you, you can never prove it, you know? It's just total pride. It just lifts you up. I would never. Well, prove it, you know? I can't. Like, exactly. Exactly. I would never. These are phrases that, 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 that you'll find, you know, in this conversation. Can you believe? This is outrageous. And, and, and can I propose a phrase to you that you can say when you find yourself in the slanderous situation where, where maybe someone's talking about the church or a leader or a friend or, or, your, or your aunt? Can I propose a phrase to you? Just repeat after me. I don't know. It's pretty good, right? I don't know. And, 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 and could I say, and then, and then join, find another side to the story. Because you don't know all the details. Can you believe? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, I, I do know what a, a, this about them. They're, they're a great person. Or I do know they, they're trying their best. Right? I do know. Can you believe when, when her daughter went off to college just there three days? And about, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I remember when I went to college, I, I, ate, I ate ramen noodles for three months straight. And I called my mom crying. I do know that. I was weeping on the phone. You know, it was tough. It was a tough season. You know what I'm saying? Like, like find the other side of the situation. Present the other side. Uh, let, let me put it this way. Pop the balloon and ruin the party. Pop the balloon and ruin the party. I don't, I don't know. 
You know, say something nice about that person. Can you? They're going through divorce. I know it's sad. He's such a good guy. She's such a good guy. It's so sad that that's happening. All of a sudden, the person has to always say, yeah, no, I know, I know, I know. They have to come around on your side. No, I know, I know, I know they're good. We had them over the house the other night. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. We're, we're praying. We're, yeah, we're praying, we're praying for them. We're praying in our, in our crew. We're praying for them real hard, fasting. We're fasting on Fridays. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying you have to be disagreeable. Because nobody likes that person. That's always taking the other side. I'm just saying you don't have to agree. Do you know there's power in your agreement? There's power in your agreement. And what I'm saying is you can withhold that a little bit. When someone's laughing about someone else, can you, ah, that's so dumb, ha. If you don't laugh, you just pop the balloon and ruin the whole party. And everybody's saying, right, right, this person, you say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'll use myself as, a, as an example. I, uh, you know, when I was, before I had kids, you know, I, I thought I knew everything about parenting, you know? And I would see these kids throwing giant fits in the store, and I had all these opinions on what they're doing wrong, you know? And I'd be walking by, you know, I'd see this thing, like, man, that, that kid, that, that is a, uh, that, that kid is undisciplined, you know? <laughs> you know, I'll tell you what, I could, I could whip that kid into shape real quick, you know? Or I remember when I was, when I was like uh, on an airplane, you know, before I had kids, I'd be on an airplane and I'd see a kid coming down the aisle and I'd say, oh God, God help me, you know, start praying. <laughs> you guys pray when there's turbulence. I pray when I see a little, a little toddler coming down and I say, Jesus, help, help. I go into that crash, crash landing position, Jesus, help me. You know, but now, now that I've had kids, I realize like babysitting is not the same thing, you know? Like now that I have kids, it's like, man, when I see that kid, in Target, throwing a fit, you know, I'm not, I'm not judging anymore, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to give silent help to the parent, you know, I'm just giving the old, I'm with you, you know. <laughs> Walk by the aisle, been there. <laughs> Salute the dad. Godspeed, brother. You know, now I'm the one with the baby. Now I'm the one with the baby walking down in the airplane and everyone else is like backing away, their eyes. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I take a sick pleasure from it. I like it. I'm, I'm holding him up. Yeah, he already had his nap too. That's cool. It's gonna get wild. It's gonna get wild. You should see the baby food we fed him. I, we're in closed circulation. This is gonna get, there's gonna be a lot of smells coming from 24A. <laughs> when you come over to someone's, like when you come over to someone else's, when you see it from their side, there's more grace there for them. You don't instantly become the master and commander of everything they're doing in their life. You begin to find grace for them. Pray that we can find ourselves, not our judge, but we can find the defender in who we are. You know, if this has to be a courtroom, I don't want to be the judge. I want to be over with the accused, saying I might not even agree, but I'm with them. I'm standing with you. I'm for you. I love you. Let's see what happens together. But can I tell you right now, because of society, it's set up, it's constructed for you to be the judge. Worse than ever. Like, like, he says, don't judge your neighbor, right? When he's speaking about this, he actually meant your real neighbor. When you used to say, don't judge your neighbor, they meant your real neighbor. But now, your neighbor that you know absolutely everything about, they live in Seattle. They live in Dallas. Because of social media, you see absolutely everything about everyone. And here's the worst part, is you can comment on it. You can approve, you can disapprove, you can put thumbs up or thumbs down. 
2,000 years ago, only one person in the whole world could do thumbs up or thumbs down. It was the Roman emperor. But now we're all walking around like we're Pontius Pilate, thumbs up and thumbs down and everything. I disagree. <laughs> Off with his head, throw him to the lions. Tell you, it's not healthy for you. There's too much responsibility. You know, you're commenting on everything. They thought about it for five seconds, then you're running, you pull the sword, you're running into the fray. This is what I think about the Republican. Maybe, maybe not every comment has to be shared. Maybe you don't have to have an opinion about everything. Maybe you don't have to live for everyone's approval. Like, like the, the crazy thing is you're not only a judge, everyone else is a judge too. We all got our wigs on. We're all sitting on the bench. You know, we're all throwing the gavel down on everybody's, how they're raising their kids and what their meals are and how, many, how much money they spend on sh those shoes. And, and everyone else is all nervous, you know. Maybe, that, maybe that's why we're so filled with anxiety. Because we know our whole life is being judged. Every photo, every video, every opinion, we're putting up for a court of public opinion. We're putting it up and we're nervous saying, I, I hope they like this. And you say, why do you feel anxious? I don't know. Because you're going into court every day. With every single aspect of your life. You're, 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 you're getting ready to be judged, and I can't handle it. And, and James is saying, how about you get off the judge's bench? Hand the gavel over to Jesus. Come over to the side where you, you let him become the authority, and you become for people, and, and you, you release yourself from the weight and the responsibility of having to be the judge. And instead, you get to be a human you get to have fun. You get to be for your family. You get to love people. And, and, and you have the freedom that comes in saying, I don't know, but I really love them. I don't know, but God's for them. You know why? Because it's easier, it's, it's, it's easier to expose their problems than solve your own. You know? And, and I feel like I need help. You know? I choose this day to no longer know everything about everyone. Instead, choose to not have to have an opinion on things I don't have to have an opinion on. And I choose instead to follow Jesus and hear his opinion on, on my life. That's where I wanna be. I don't wanna be following everyone and having commentary on all of that. I wanna follow Jesus and I wanna hear his opinion over my life. You know, I've got so many things I need to deal with I don't want to divert myself by analyzing all of you. I, I want to come before God and say, God, I need help. So I need to gather some friends around me, some people around me that love me, that are for me, that got wisdom, some leaders around me, a crew around me, and say, hey, guys, will you come around me? Will you just pray with me? Will you encourage me and me with you? And together, I can move forward. I, I, think, there's, I think there's wisdom in this, accepting your limitations exiting the judge's seat, letting God lead, and following Jesus and getting to know him. This is what Paul says. When I was with you, 
I resolved to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what matters. That's what I want to know. That's what I want to have an opinion on. That's what I want to lead my life. And that's who I want to lead my life. Jesus Christ and him crucified. If we could have a church like that, that loves Jesus and is for his people, I'm telling you, it would be a supernatural, life-filled, fresh church. And I pray that I'm a part of it. Amen? Come on, I pray it's in your home. I pray it's on your kids. I pray it's in your job. Set yourself free from the responsibility. Amen? Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.